welcome back. Uh, we decided this week uh, to pause on the Mark sermon series. Actually, John was set to preach for this Sunday, and he'll preach next Sunday. But uh, we decided we thought it would be best to uh, for you guys to hear from all of us, all of your pastors, and then uh, two of them got stuck somewhere else. <laughs> so I'm sure Jim wishes he could be here and could speak to you as well. But um, if you follow us on Facebook, they're posting videos as well. So We'd encourage you guys to keep up with that. Um, one of our pastors is sick. We hope it's not anything dangerous. <laughs> so he's not here. So we're just going to hear from the three of us. But we thought it'd be good to have kind of think through how we respond as Christians, how uh, we can move through this uh, together. And uh, we decided to kind of frame up our discussion uh, from Romans chapter 12. And I'll, let me just read that for us, and then we'll, we'll discuss how we can respond as Christians and how that should look for and can look for you guys. So... If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you guys at home to open them to Romans chapter 12. There's this uh, great book of Romans that Paul has just so clearly explained the gospel, so fully uh, fleshed it out. And in chapters 12 especially, he's giving a lot of practical application. In chapter 12, specifically, specifically the verses we're reading are machine gun approach of like exhortations. Here's what to do. Uh, but it really fits our situation well. So in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 12, here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And seek to show hospitality. And so I thought that was a, a fitting kind of framework for us to discuss how we should take this situation and how we should live in the midst of it. So let's just start with the first one. Rejoice in hope. I know on each side of this, um, there are people who are really, really fearful, and there are people that don't think this is a big deal. So how do we speak to kind of both of those people in the midst of all that's going on? I think that the exhortation to uh, love our brothers and sisters as we love ourselves is really important here because, as you mentioned uh, we may not even understand or be aware of people around us in our day-to-day -day that are uh, more susceptible to catching this. And, you know, my first reaction, maybe, maybe it's being an Oklahoman, maybe it's being a, hey, let's push back against a soft culture, that we definitely live in a soft culture. Uh, my first reaction is maybe not the most loving all the time uh, because I'm only thinking about myself. Uh, and uh, so over this course of time, I personally have been convicted to um, take precautions for the sake of others, even um, almost pretending as if I did <laughs> have it so that others that are immunocompromised, uh, the church is called to care for those who are vulnerable. Yeah. And so that's one way I've tried to fight that in my own heart of the rugged individualism that we're have bred into us in our culture. Yeah. Well, and just for the record, there's one, two, three, four of us here this morning, so we're, we are under our 10 limit for sure. Uh, so we're trying to do what's best even for us. Romans 15. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. Like there's an obligation, even a responsibility for those who are strong to bear with the weak. I mean, that's, that's real. So I mean, I think that goes exactly with what you're saying. Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, and it's just as far as the, the rejoicing and hope angle, I think, you know, I think we have to kind of catch the balance here where, like Jay said, we have to consider our brothers and sisters who are weaker, who are, who are maybe more compromised, those who are uh, even more fearful, whether or not they have 
uh, a basis for the fear. Like we, we all have weakness, we all have sin, and loving one another means that we consider each other's weaknesses as well and minister to people in those weaknesses, even if we think it's maybe a little more than it should be. Um, I think that's where the hope that we have can kind of overcome those fears. And I think our attitude and how we serve one another is going to be critical here. You know, are we serving in fear? Are we serving under compulsion? Or are we serving because we have a hope that transcends the world? Like we, this isn't, this isn't it. Like this life is, is just a, a blip on the radar. It's just, it's such a small sliver on the eternal timeline um, of our time with God. And, and like, we need to have attitudes that display that. Uh, this is like death is honestly a gateway to life and that's really what's driving the fear, right? Like it's the fear that, hey, worst case scenario, this thing could get us. And so what if it does? Like we don't wanna be lighthearted towards one another. Like we wanna be careful. We wanna listen to our government. We wanna respect our authorities, but we wanna show people that, hey, we have a hope that transcends anything this world can offer. And so it's how we love one another that really is our greatest witness. And, and I think it's how we love one another in times of tribulation um, and stress that, that can really speak powerfully to the world and to, to each other, that we have a God that he's not, he's not held down by the coronavirus. Um, in fact, he's gonna use that as an opportunity to get a lot of glory. Um, and he's gonna ask his people to partner with him in that. And I think we have a great opportunity to really reflect God's glory in times like this. We just have to have the attitude and we have to remember that like there's, there's life, there's real life beyond this one, so. And that maybe some of the worry, it comes, it seems like it comes from a couple of different angles. It's the, sometimes it's worrying that maybe we would, anxiety, that we could contract it. Right. And there's the other side of worrying about what it's gonna do, particularly financially probably for yeah. our country and how to, to bear with one another and pray for each other in, in those settings. But there's a really good quote, Tom Schreiner, had on this verse I wanted to read. He said, believers are to be filled with joy due to the hope that awaits them. Um, and he says, joy evaporates when hope diminishes. And thus the fires of joy can only be stoked by focusing on hope. And so I love that, rejoice in hope, right at the beginning yeah. of verse 12. Yeah, the, the ground of our rejoicing is the hope that we have. Paul talks about that hope in Romans 8 um, a couple chapters ago uh, from what we're reading. It says, we have a hope, and our hope is the redemption of our bodies. It's speaking of after death, speaking of when you're going to be made whole. Or I think of Revelation 21, where, you know, we talk about this, this new heaven and new earth. And uh, the Lord is the, reigning on his throne, and he wipes away every tear from our eyes. And all the, all the darkness and evil disease is going to be undone uh, by, the, by the Savior. And, yeah, our hope is, is not in a current situation but what's in the future? And I think it's hard. How do, you, how do you do this? Like, how do you get, like, we're bound by our time and the pressing news and things that are coming at us now. And hope is not bound by that. Hope can look ahead and say, I know what's to come. We know the end of the story. And so I can rejoice right now because that is going to happen. But how do we apply that now? Like, how do we kind of let the, the future hope, future glory impress our hearts now? My first thought is what he says right after this, to be patient in tribulation and um, to be constant in prayer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, again, I just think we, you know, we stand on the promises and I think, you know, it's, and it's an opportunity too to show people that 
like we're not perfect. Like we're not just going to stick our chest out. And go, oh, I'm not worried about it. I'm going to heaven when I die. Yeah. Like, well, actually, probably everyone is a little worried about it to some degree, right? Like we, even if you're not worried about yourself, there's someone you know and love that if you really think about it, like these people could, could really be vulnerable. Um, and so I just, I just think it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to show as believers that like, hey, we're, we're humans, we're people, we're sinners. We, we are subject to the same things that the flesh yeah. deals out to everyone. And like, hey, yeah, we're, we're a little uneasy, but we do have hope. And we do know that our future is, is like it's a done deal. Like we're not, we really don't have to worry, like we shouldn't worry, but we will because we're, we're people, we're sinners. But man, like when we really think about it, we have, we have a hope that's rooted in Christ and what he did on the cross. And like salvation is ours yeah. because of what he did. Um, so looking, looking forward, like that's, that is our hope. And no, no one wants the virus. No one wants to die. Um, we were created to live, right? You know, so, um, so that, that's there and that's, and that's real. And I think it's, it's, you know, an opportunity to really be transparent before people and say, look, I have some of the same fears you have. But there's a hope that I have as well, yeah. and it's it's greater than any fear. Yeah, yeah, it's good. We need to be reminded of that hope, and so that's something we can do for one another: is remind each other. Jesus is still Lord of the Church, right? He's sitting on the throne, like He is going to come back. Like our eternity is as secure as Jesus is risen, and right. as believers, we say we would bank our lives on that He's risen. So our hope is secure there because of what he has done. And so we need to point each other to that very reality. And that doesn't mean that it's going to be perfect. We're going to have to go to him, like we're to approach the throne of grace boldly right. to find grace and mercy in our time of need. Because we need, like we, we are going to have times without hope, without rejoicing, uh, with great fear. And so we're going to need to go back to our hope in Christ over and over and over again. Well, let's push into the next one then. Be patient in tribulation. Man, that's uh, constantly needed, but how specifically is it needed for us now in ways that you guys see or ways that you would encourage sojourners to be patient in tribulation? The scripture says much about how uh, Romans 5, 3 and 5. Can you read yeah. that actually? Yeah. Um, 3 through 5. It's going to be a really good verse. Yeah, it says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given us. I just think that all of the, the scriptures, one way to be patient in tribulation is remembering the promises, like John said. Um, but also to start to make sure that our daily rhythms aren't as they do change, because it's a radically different, uh, it's been foisted upon us um, by a few different things. And... So making sure that our rhythms still include uh, the, the habits of grace, whether it's uh, the spiritual disciplines. Yeah. Uh, we don't want the, hand, you know, the phone to be in our hand the whole time, <laughs> yeah. checking what's the next terrible thing, what's the newest update from the AP news source. It's going to yeah. instill more fear and more malformation in our soul. Uh, so I think really fighting against, and maybe use this as an opportunity. I talked to a couple people who... <clears throat> really feel like they needed to use this as a reset button anyway in their own uh, disciplines in their life. And so using this time of tribulation and the patience that is going to be involved in that to make sure that the, we don't, that we're active in it 
if you are passive towards this with the difference uh, of, of rhythms of life or even more time for some people, then your hand's not going to find something that's going to be honor, honoring God. Your hand's going to find something that could lead to a slack hand or um, laziness in the soul or even in the body. And so yeah. being very and proactive in this time of tribulation, I think, is super important, just on a really practical yeah. level. Yeah. Well, I think being patient implies that there's something you're waiting on. Yeah. Um, ultimately, we're waiting on Christ's return, right? So that's, I mean, that's got to be in the back of our minds anytime, and especially a time like this where the whole world is has been affected. I mean, everyone is on edge. Um, and it's, it's kind of a preview, like, gosh, I don't know that it's going to get better when it comes to the world. And, and how we respond in times like these, I think it's, it's really a good gauge for us to see, like, what, what are we waiting on? Are we waiting on the market to go back up? Are we waiting on the people we, even the people we love, just to get more healthy? And that, I mean, that's it. Like that's all we're thinking about. All we're focused on is we're waiting on news. sports to come back. Yeah, we're we waiting on on the on yeah on the NBA or whatever to to come back because there's nothing to watch on TV anymore. Like, you know, what are we waiting on? Why why are we to be patient? We're we're to be patient because Christ is coming back, yeah. and because we need to show that we have the Spirit in our hearts. And a fruit of the Spirit is patience. Yeah. And so we can wait for life to get back to normal. And even if it doesn't ever get back to normal, we can still wait. Yeah. Because our Savior's coming back to get us. And that's worth waiting on. And so like we, we just need to show in our lives that like, hey, we're not we're not bound by the same set of rules that the world is. Um, we don't live by that rules. We don't wait on things that that are are not set on a firm foundation like we're waiting on something that's that's going to come um, it's a hope that's that's it's going to happen it's not something that we're just wishing it's it's something that we know we just don't know when and so that drives the patience that, that we should have and display because again it's set it's promised we know it's coming and so our attitude should reflect that yeah and it's hard yeah man that's so good it, both like thinking about being patient is not just being distracted like that's kind of like giving yourself spiritual disciplines, setting your hope on what actually we're waiting on. It's not like I think I saw I've seen this meme. And it's it's funny, you know. Like they say, like, hey, millennials, your grandparents were going to war. They were calling to they were called to sacrifice and go to war, and we're just calling for you to just sit on your couch and watch Netflix. You can do this. Like, and that's funny. But like, if we're going to be patient in suffering, it's not just about being distracted and constantly entertained. Like that's. That's just passing the time. That's not being patient and suffering. That's a little different. And I think what's key to that is giving yourself to the spiritual disciplines, reminding yourself what you're waiting on, but knowing that right now Jesus is with us. Mm -hmm. Like he's with us. He said, I will be with you till the end of the age. Like he has not abandoned us. Uh, Hebrews 12, when we went through Hebrews, this really stuck out about remembering the discipline of the Lord. But in, in Hebrews 12, 3, it says, Consider him who endured for sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So it's like setting your mind and your heart on the pioneer and perfecter of your faith, who is also with you, who also knows suffering. Like there's no other God that knows suffering. So if we're going to be patient in suffering, we're going to draw closer to the God that we serve, who knows suffering. And he uh, has us, he disciplines us, uses all things. Romans 8 says he uses all things, we can be assured, for the sake of forming us into the image of his son. He uses discipline. Roman or Hebrews 12 says discipline. And we're not to regard it lightly because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Like he's working even through suffering 
to make us more like his son, who also knows suffering, who wants us to use him as a mediator, right? Who mediates for us too. And so like remembering in suffering, Jesus is with us and he knows suffering. Like what, what other person would we want to have with us all the time? Yeah. Like, man, we can be patient in suffering because of the one that we serve. That's right. uh, this last, this next one, after be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, uh, is probably not something we, like, I'm thinking about the church as a whole, maybe not something we do well. We've tried to even here at Sojourn, like, make it a bigger push. Like, how can we be better at praying? This is one of the things that has, that there has no effect on prayer at all. I mean, coronavirus cannot touch prayer. Like, there should be no alteration unless it's like, hey, you should pray more, right? In terms of prayer. Be constant in prayer. And even as pastors, I've tried to think through, like, how can we respond and care and love our people well? And it came too late to my mind that one of our main ways that we pastor is by prayer. But it just like, in responding to this, I'm trying to think of all the practical ways. And, and I forget to think of prayer as the, one of the most practical things we could do. And it has not been shut off for our care, for you guys' care, at all. Like, we can pray for one another, and as Christians, that hasn't been altered one bit. It shouldn't be. We can be constant in prayer. So, what thoughts do you guys have on, on that exhortation there? Be constant in prayer. I think to tie it in with the one before, and what I was saying about that, is it doesn't happen naturally. We need to be constant. It's kind of an imperative, like, work at it. Yeah. Um, don't, don't just think that it's going to naturally happen, and... I think we'll find ourselves praying more. Uh, this thing has done a good job of uh, taking some of the things away from our life that maybe were distractions in our daily life anyway, or we thought were more important than they were. And so let's fill that time with prayer. Let's think about our, our brothers and sisters in our home groups that may uh, really need some help in, in a lot of different ways. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But let's fill our minds and let's be... Um, Let's pray consciously and I guess just deliberately and set our minds to do that. Yeah, yeah agreed. Um, I think, you know, we let our amens come at the very end of the day. Like, just keep the, keep the line open. Pray without ceasing, right? So start the conversation in the morning and, ask the, you know, as you watch the news, as you stay updated on things, don't, don't let fear drive you. Let faith drive you. Take that to God. Yeah. When you think about someone that maybe, oh gosh, I wasn't even thinking about this person, that if, if he got this, that it could, it could be bad, we'll pray for that person. Don't just worry about it. Um, first thing we should do is pray, and then pick up the phone if you need to. Do whatever you can practically. Um, but man, if we're not taking it before God first, like we're, we're missing out on the, on the greatest power we have to, to see anything change or happen. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate the email, I think, that Kim sent. Um, there was a story about a guy who was yeah. ministering to uh, a Chinese people group years and years ago. And uh, he was so discouraged because he was up in the mountains and he was having to go out to these villages. And one, one winter, it was just really, the weather was really bad, a lot of snow. It just prohibited him from being able to actually make physical contact. And so he was kind of frustrated and even angry with God about, like, why have you called me here? And now I can't even get to these people that you called me to minister to. But then his heart just changed one day. He just realized, like, you know, I just need to, I need to pray. Like, I need to take this opportunity to just go before God on these people's behalf. And he did. And he just, I mean, his prayer life really amped up. And his testimony is, you know, the next season, the next, I guess, the next opportunity he had uh, to visit these folks, he went out and he saw more growth 
and, and more movement in this people than he has ever he had ever seen, and he attributed it to just the prayer, which we know that's that's what it was, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it just it was a really encouraging story. You know, the guy was I mean, the opportunity to physically help these people and minister to these people was taken away, yeah. but the opportunity to love these people will never be taken away because you can you can bring these people before the throne, yeah. and uh, it's just you know. We scientific Americans, like we want to, like we we just want to be there. We want to do things and control. control. That's right. And our faith is weak. Yeah. I mean, my faith is weak. It needs to be. I need to pray more. And so this is an opportunity for us. Like we're not supposed to be very close. We're not supposed to gather like we normally gather. Like let's not worry about it. Let's pray about it. Yeah. And let's pray that God will get us back together soon. Like we all want to gather. You know, we all want life to be back to normal especially in the church, yeah. but like, let's, let's pray about that. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, uh, I mean, who knows what the Lord will do with this for his church, right? We don't, we don't know what that's going to look like, but it's a unique time where there, no gimmick and trick is going to work right now. Right. right. Like, cause we don't, you can't have it. I mean, especially us, like we're low production anyway. So like even, even this, this is a stretch for us to do a video, right? right? None of that stuff is going to attract people at this point because everyone has to stay home. So, what can we do? Well, like we don't retreat and we're never on retreat as Christians in yeah. terms of like we're backing off the front lines. No, we're on the front lines all the time. We're to be constant in prayer. So the church is continuing to push forward and we do that through prayer, not through like our, our gimmicks, our tricks, what we think are good ideas or, or new innovations. Like we go to the ancient disciplines that God has given for his church to practice. One of them is to be constant in prayer. And I, I hope what that will do is I hope God stirs us all to pray constantly that way he can be magnified. So if, if the church grows, if people are changed through this and formed more into the image of a son, people are converted. If all that happens through this, you wouldn't be able to point at something other than God. You wouldn't be able to say like, well, it was that great speaking or it was this cool thing they did. In, like what a great song. It, it was, it was people praying and God moving. And it could only be attributed to that, like that would be a win, right? We want God to be honored and worshipped. He's worthy of those things. So it doesn't matter if we're in the limelight of that at all. So if we're, if we're in the shadows praying and God is working, we should be rejoicing. And I hope maybe during this time something like that would happen. So, man, let's, let's be constant in prayer and, and pray for one another. Um, there's all sorts of things we can be caring for one another. Like we can take those to the Lord. It's not as if we can't minister in that way, and that's a prime way to minister. It's kind of like an Acts reset, honestly, in a yeah. lot of ways. Like you would see in all the ways in the Acts, whether it was a small group setting, but especially when people are being persecuted and killed, and, and you know they, they run home and find everyone praying for them. Yeah. You know that's what I think of a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So be constant in prayer. Well, let's move uh, to verse 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints. There's going to be a million ways practically to care for one another. Specifically, he talks about for the needs of the saints. So let's think about that. How can we, how can we care for one another in the middle of this time? Like what I, what I want to say is like there's all the one another commands are still commands. Like they're not void because of some social distancing uh, campaign, right? I mean, we are still to care for one another. And there's all sorts of one another commands. Here's one that says contribute to the needs of the saints. So we need to call one another to, let's practice, intentional practice of one another ministry that all saints are to uh, give themselves to. Here's one, contribute to the needs of the saints. So 
How can we contribute to the needs of the saints? I think we need to be aware of the needs of the saints. And so part of that is on us and on home group leaders to reach out, ask your people, are there any needs? But then our people need to be humble enough to say, I have a need. Um, and that's hard. That's hard for us. It's hard for me to, to say, hey, I have a need. Can you help me? Um, we understand the, the, what's happening around us, especially with small business. Um, it's straining. I mean, there, there are businesses that will probably fold because of this. The margins weren't, weren't good anyway, and now no one's coming in. Um, they can't pay the bills. And yeah, the government's, you know, we're, there's some stimulus things that are, you know, in, in the works, but it's, it's only going to go so far. So there, there are some, you know, there are people who are really being strained right now, and there are probably people in our congregation that are feeling that, especially financially, more than other people. And so I think we need to be proactive in trying to identify those needs, but we also need our people to just be vulnerable and say, look, I have them. I need, I need some help. Um, so it's a two-way street, um, and, and I just I think it's a great opportunity, again, just for us to show um, what the body's about and, and how we can love each other sacrificially and give to one another and, and contribute to one another's needs. I mean, that was the greatest testimony the early church had, had in Acts 2, 42 or so yeah. through 45. I mean, everyone was sharing with everyone else as they had needs, um, and it was just blowing people's minds. Like, what are these people doing? What's in it for you? Yeah. It's treasure in heaven like that's what's in it for me it's it's stuff that transcends the world again um and what a great opportunity we have to show people that that this is really what we're about yeah i think you know to play off of that um whether it's just the physical needs um but also small business especially not there's a lot going on but some some are going to lose their jobs and some have to let people go um i've talked to people who've actually just bit the bullet and are taking the hit so that they can keep employees on and trying yeah. to hang on as long as they can. And they need support. Um, I mean, that, that's just uh, my heart breaks for some of those people who are having to do that as well. Yeah. So how, how can we reach out? And <clears throat> once again, I think the awareness, like you said, John, this is a good time to ask yourself the question. Do I really know and love my brothers? Do I know and sisters? Do I know who's going through what? And if I don't, maybe I'm not jumping into uh, and loving my community like I need to anyway. Maybe I'm yeah. walking through this world day in, day out, individualistic. Um, like I got it under control, um, that I don't really need faith in things. This is a great time to reevaluate all of that, or it will be done to you and for you yeah. uh, by the gracious hand of God. Yeah, sure. Let's think even about uh, there's a million, there's going to be several physical things, and, and everywhere, you, you mentioned it, throughout history. Christians have always moved to need. <laughs> that's, that's what they do. Hospitals, those kind of things. Like, where did that come from? came from loving Christians running to needs. And so I think we need to run to especially needs of one another. You said knowing the needs of your brothers. Uh, in verse 9 um, and 10, he says, he talks about us as brother. 10 says, love one another with brotherly affection. In other words, there's, it's familial language. We're family. Brother, what would you want for your brother if they were suffering? Contribute in that kind of way. Because that's the way we're supposed to be with one another. But let's also think about even beyond the physical needs. Like, there are people who are going to be lonely. Mm -hmm. Social distancing is going to be really hard. Or the, you're going to deal with the difficulties that are within your home. Like, there's all sorts of scenarios on each side of that spectrum. So let's speak to that, too. Like, how can we contribute to those kinds of needs? 
I think there's, you sent the thing out about family worship. That really was good because I think um, we could always use help in that. How do you bet? I, as a father in my home and a husband, my first question is, how am I doing? And I see a lot of areas I need to improve. And so contributing in that way of spiritually leading in my home, this is a great time to practice that uh, and to, to reevaluate where we're really at. And um, I think hopefully I'll use that as a time to grow in this area for my family's sake. And I really appreciate you mentioning that. I had a conversation with a guy a few days ago, and and he was a little, you know, a little upset uh, about how things were were kind of unfolding. But um, we talked, and and I think you know he was able to see that okay, yeah, there are other people that are very vulnerable, and this could be a very dangerous thing, and we need to consider you know everyone. And you know, we all kind of went through those phases. I think when it first hit us, like what is going on, you know, and and some people process differently, but. You know, I could relate to some of the stuff he was saying. It's like, yeah, I kind of, I kind of went through that cycle of, of like, okay, why are we doing this? Does it seem like an overreaction? And then once I start considering everyone, I'm like, okay, well, maybe it's not, and maybe this is the best thing. And ultimately, I don't know. There are people who are smarter than me and who study this kind of thing a lot more than I do, and we're hoping that they're making good judgments and good recommendations. But ultimately, there are people who are alone or who just don't have the community built into their lives like maybe some of us have. Um, and, the, and those needs, honestly, in some ways are greater than some of the physical needs even. Um, and he'd mentioned, you know, like, what about these people that are depressed? What about folks that are lonely? And um, yeah, I mean, he, he may have been speaking from concern for himself, you know? And so I don't know. I just think we need to, we need to be very careful um, that we don't, we don't just focus on one side or the other. Like we're not just focusing on staying in touch, but we're overlooking the physical needs, but we're, we're also not just focusing on physical needs and thinking, oh, well, if your physical needs are met, you're good. Yeah. Well, that's not true. That's, I mean, that's not what we've ever pushed here. Um, yeah. we, we see the importance of community. Yeah. It's vital. Yeah. You know, it's how it all started, and I think it's what's held us together, and we don't have that community right now. Yeah. And there are people, I think, who rely on that. I mean, it's, and we all should rely on it, like, yeah. like, I mean, intensely. But there are people, especially with what's going on in their lives, hard things anyway are happening, and now this, this is happening. Um, it could be emotionally, I mean, just devastating for some people. I have kind of a good quote. It's a really good quote. It's actually prophetic, I would say, um, on that line, on... What has this done to us um, in, in this context? And this guy's name is Mark Sayers. He's a pastor in Melbourne. Um, and he's wonderful read, uh, Reappearing Church. He wrote a book called Disappearing Church and, and now Reappearing Church. And two years ago, he wrote this, which uh, it actually even talks about a global flu pandemic. He was speaking as if what would have happened. You know, thinking about 1918 yeah. uh, and some of the things that happened in our country and around the world then. Um, but he talked about this hyper-consumerism and really what he, his main point in the book is that secularism and what sometimes the church would say they hate about secularism, they're also taking part in, in a lot of ways. And he, his big thing is that it's, it's falling in on itself. And this was written two years ago, but I thought it, it is exactly what we need to hear today. So I'm just going to read it to you real quick. It says, the secularist life script in which humans attempt to live without having to confront the great questions of life, creates insulation against faith. Mm -hmm. However, this insulation is not as secure as it may seem, and we're seeing this now. Yeah. 
If we endured a global flu pandemic, like the one in the early part of the 20th century that killed millions of people across the world, how we view and process our personal potential and possibilities would be deeply shaken, and they are now. Because the Western secularist bubble of radical individualism and hyper-consumerism was pierced. Briefly, the mythology that it is possible to live a life without God or greater meaning for many people was rattled. Your lifestyle, your freedom, your approach to faith and meaning are shaped by large-scale factors, factors out of our control, which we assume to be stable and secure, but which in reality can change suddenly. The secularist life script is dependent on crucial political, economic, and social factors being in place, elements that are becoming fragile, I think we see now, opening a new potential for renewal and revival in the West. And that last line is really why I wanted to share that. This is such an opportunity for us to see. Our, our bubble's been pierced in many ways, not just the secularist, but the one in the church. There's a lot of people in a very affluent place that we are in who need their bubble pierced by God to help us to remind us that that we're dependent on him and him alone and this would be a time for renewal and revival yeah that's good that's real good yeah and we're we're called to social distancing at the moment but not spiritual isolation isolation and there's a there's a difference we have all this technology that's given to us it can be a good gift for us now so like we we don't want people to be spiritually isolated reach out for help and and Reach out to us. We're available. Like, we can talk. We, we'd love to be able to talk with people. Reach out to people in your home group. If you don't have one, like, this is a good time to start getting connected with one. Some of this will expose what you've lacked in your relationship with the Lord, I think. And so part of the answer is, like, dig deeper with him. He is enough for you. We sing, all I have is Christ. Jesus is my life. Is that true? Is that really true? And we're, some of it's being exposed right now. Financially, maybe, or I feel lonely, it can be exposed. Now, I want to be gentle with both sides of that because you do need community. We need one another. So we're not calling you to spiritual isolation. We're calling you into community. But you're best in community when you're best with the Lord. So what's exposed there, the discomfort, the problems that you sense in in distance in relationship with the Lord, go towards him in the middle of those, in the middle of all this, and go towards your brothers and sisters at the same time. Those always will go together, but they can be exposed at times like this of, oh, I, I don't know the needs of my brothers and sisters because I'm not connected there. Or I didn't know how much I missed this because I don't have a vital connection with God. And we need both of those. And, and some of this can be exposed during this time. And, and we need to call one another out of that still in the middle of this. And rightly. And we can, we can, we can have renewal in both. We can have renewal in our desire and love for community and our renewal and desire and love for our God and having a relationship with him. I think both are going to be really important as we move forward. But we, we do want to know about needs. Uh, we have deacons, pastors, let us know, please. And we want to meet those needs. They might be uh, spiritual needs. They might be physical needs. Christians move toward need. Now, we don't have an answer for every single need. Like, no one has unlimited resources. Our church certainly doesn't. So we have to be wise with how we meet all those. But we certainly want to walk with you through that and meet them as, as best we can, where we can. Healthcare workers can probably come across something, some things that we may yeah. be able to help with. Stuff like that that we have no expertise in. Yeah. Help us. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's look at the last one then. Um, verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. 
And in a time of social distancing, yeah. <laughs> uh, how do we show hospitality? In groups of less than 10. <laughs> yes, that's <And> right. That's, <laughs> that's, yeah. Really, though, like you, you look at the command back then really, I think, had more um, just in mind, just the, the itinerant pastors, people who were traveling, Christians who were coming through um, inns and, you know, what we would call hotels were not the best places to stay. Um, some Half of them were probably pretty sketchy, and then the other half were full because they weren't. Um, and so just having, you know, just having your home open to people who were traveling for the sake of the gospel was a big deal back then. It was a way bigger deal yeah. than it is now because we've got hotels everywhere. Yeah. You can book things online way ahead of time. It's much easier. But it's like, what's the principle that's driving that? Yeah. You know, th there are needs that can be met through you having people in your home. And so I think, you know, yes, social distancing, we need to respect that. However, there may be some people, it's a judgment call, but there may be some people that we need to say, you know what, you're not showing symptoms, we're not showing symptoms, let's be careful, but maybe you need to come over and hang out for a little bit. Um, not Again, not home group style, maybe one guy, maybe, maybe two people. Um, we just have to weigh it out and be wise. Like if, if you really need to talk about something, maybe we can meet somewhere outside or, yeah. you know, we can be careful, but it's, it's what happens when you have people in your home or close to you. I know that having people in your home right now is probably not the best idea, but there may be things, maybe situations where maybe I need to have this person over. I don't know. Um, not recommending that, but that's, that's what hospitality is. So um, we're, we're told to seek to show hospitality, yeah. not consider it. Yeah. Like we're being commanded to look for opportunities to yeah. be hospitable in times of trouble. And this is a tough time to know how to do that. Yeah. That was the only thing I was going to say on that point was it says to seek it out. It's not, oh, be this way. Like if it comes your way, like we need to look and find the areas where we can be hospitable to our brothers and sisters. And there is an actual premium kind of placed Galatians 6.10 talks about this, that it's to our brothers and sisters first in the, in the household of faith. I mean, yeah. there is a priority, actually. Yes. Um, so it's a command here to do so. Yeah, and, and I like how both of you are talking. But this is seek it. It's, there's a heart disposition there um, that it goes before the practical outworkings of it. So we ought to always be people that are looking outward. Suffering is one of those things that can uniquely, like, our own sinful flesh or the enemy, like suffering can uniquely turn us in, inward. And we just think, woe is me. You know, like, oh man, coronavirus, oh man. And just think only of yourself. And at least this is, is lifting our gaze and telling us, like, you need to look outward to the needs of others. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Show hospitality. Seek to show hospitality. Like, there's an outward gaze there of we're not living for ourselves. Actually, we've been bought with a price. We're no longer alive. It's Christ that's living through us. And he looked to the needs of others and met them. And so that's a huge part of it. I'll go into the practical question, though, at this point. What should we do? Should we be listening to the recommendations we're given? Um, right, right now, Enid has a ban till April 13th um, of no meetings of more than 10. How do we handle all that information? If we're supposed to be looking outward, how do we deal with all that? Well, we do want to obey the laws of our land, government. That's Romans biblical. 13, 1, that's biblical. They're not telling us to not worship God. 
Romans 13 talks about that, right? Mm -hmm. Submit to the governing authority. So you turn one page over and read, right. read through that. This isn't civil disobedience act style because they're not telling us to not worship God. Yeah. So we need to, we need to make sure that we are um, submitting to our governing authorities. Um, yeah. And I don't feel that's an overreach personally right now. It's for protection of our brothers yeah. and sisters. In fact, honestly, like this happened really quick in Oklahoma but in other places, a lot of churches were getting out ahead of their own governments yeah. because they wanted to care about the vulnerable around the world. They wanted to care about the vulnerable, vulnerable in their bodies first. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, and what's what's the principle behind ten or less? Like it's it's we don't want to spread this virus, yeah. um, and it's dangerous. I mean, you can be carrying the virus and not even show symptoms, and be spreading it and not even show symptoms. So. Like we have to respect it for what it is, and again, we have to respect what our governing our governing authorities are telling us. We also have to respect what the word says and what it prioritizes. And so, I think there's a balance, there's a fine line here because we have needs spiritually um, that we we tend to undervalue because all of our physical needs normally are met. You know, so we live in a very wealthy country, but um, there are people who may emotionally, psychologically, like they may be at a point where they need help on that level and the only answer is person to person contact yeah. um, and if as believers like we have to be sensitive to the spirits leading we have I mean we, we have to be wise in how we do things but I'm not gonna I mean I'm, I'm going to be open to those scenarios and and be careful if, if if I feel like hey this guy's really needing some counsel right now he's needing some help Maybe we get together, but we do it wisely. We follow the instructions our government has given. Like when you are out, when you are close to people, like here's, here's, you, you do keep your distance. You don't, you know, you don't do certain things. You make sure you wash your hands, you know, yeah. those kinds of things. Um, ultimately, if it doesn't need to happen, we should probably not get together at all, you know, but, but yeah. there may be cases where it does need to happen. Yeah. Um, and really, what really marks us and separates us from the world is like, we're not we're not afraid of death yeah ultimately and so like what's driving this is we want to preserve our bodies right like we, we don't want to die we don't want to get sick well that's a good thing like we don't want that to happen you know but what do, I mean we don't want people to die spiritually either you know so it, it's it's hard it's been really really tough for me to process how to handle it well I just want to point out the balance that you're speaking of because on one hand you're saying if, if there's an absolute need, I'm going to go to it. That's what Christians do. I just said that, right? They go to needs. On the other hand, if it's not a need, I don't need to. I'm going to be open. Right. I think that what I've seen is, and this is what we see everywhere all the time, everything's polarized, right? So it's like, who cares what the government says? I'll do what I want. Right. I don't think that's not where you're at, and I don't think that's where Christians should be. Romans 13 is pretty hard to read if, you, if that's where you're at. Yeah. I mean, because it says to submit to the governing authority. It's like Peter says to honor the emperor. Did that emperor put him to death? Pretty sure he did. <laughs> so it's like that was a those were evil emperors that they're telling to honor. So there there is something there. But again, they don't have authority over us in commanding more than what God has. So I I like the openness to it too, of like saying, but where God has commanded, we have to be faithful. We're called to obey God, not man, but where we can not disobey God and obey man, obey the governing we should. Right. There's an openness and, and knowing, like I think we should have confidence in this. You said this, open to the Spirit's leading. Don't we have confidence that, that he's going to lead us how we need to be led? We should. Yeah. Like our, Jesus says, when you get pulled before the governing authorities, don't worry about what you're going to say. 
Like, he'll, he'll give you the words. Like, isn't that same spirit in us to say, when you're faced with a dilemma, doesn't the spirit know how to lead you? Isn't he already crying out for you in words you don't even understand to the Father? Because he knows the will of God. Yeah. Totally agree. And I think First uh, Timothy 2, Paul tells Timothy, pray, pray for those who are, pray for kings and those in power, right? Um, we need to be praying for our governing authorities diligently. They have very, very tough decisions to make. And their decisions affect people's lives big time. Um, and so we just really need to be diligent in praying that these guys would, would make the right decisions and be wise um, in how they lead us. And like you said, just try to try to obey them as best we can. I mean, they're not asking us to not meet because we, don't, because we believe the gospel. I mean, they're, they're yeah. saying, like, look, this is for your good. So, like, let's, let's take that to heart and know that, like, hey, it's for our good to not get together. However... If the spirit leads to a desperate need or a really, really sensitive situation, then you know what? If God's leading, then he's, he's got a reason, and he's going to take care of us. I mean, that's... Yeah. And I would just appeal to, to everyone as well. Like you just mentioned, uh, leadership in a wartime is way different than leadership in a peacetime, and so we're all navigating what that looks like and trying to listen to the spirit, even on our local level here at Sojourn. So... Yes, this isn't where we all want to be, but that's where we're at. And yeah. so we would also ask for you guys to be like patient with us yes, as your yeah. leaders. Um, we're going to, some things will be different next week, and they were way different this week. And just be patient with us, please. We're trying to serve the best we know how. There's not a script. Yeah. It's such a paradigm shift that it's not been done, honestly. Yeah. Um, so please be patient and pray for us as well yeah. um, as we pray and try to serve the best we can. Yeah. Yeah, there's a weight to like responsibility making these decisions like you said praying for governing authorities like the weight of the decision is on them not on us so it's pretty easy to from our place without that weight to criticize and yeah. we should just really really suspect of that when that comes up in our hearts mm -hmm. and just be careful with that yeah. um, especially with one another you said bear with one another like I'll just give you the sense of what I know about our conversations about what's going on like no one none of us is happy that we're doing this <laughs> uh, do, do you want to talk about some of the frustrations about having to talk in front of a camera <laughs> so yeah. I mean like this isn't our favorite thing yeah. like, this is not cool we don't particularly like it um, but it's where we're at and we're just trying to be faithful with what's in front of us and we're, we're going to need to be gracious to one another in the middle of this we're going to need to be gracious with outsiders especially in the church people ought to be able to see not like these, this infighting but love for one another this ability to be patient with one another in the midst of figuring this all out. There's not a game plan, so let's be, let's be generous. Yeah, and I think, too, be, be willing to come outside of your comfort zone. You know, I mean, there's, there's still folks out there who maybe text messaging is really not their thing. You know, it's like, hey, pick up a phone and call me. I'm not doing the text thing. Um, there are people on the flip side of that who would never even consider picking up a phone, and maybe they need to. Maybe they need to pick up a phone and call someone because they need to actually have a real conversation with someone about something heavy. There's two sides of it. Um, but we should really consider the advantages that technology gives us right now in communication. Yeah. And so if you're that person that's like, yeah, it's a text, no big deal. Well, actually, right now, especially when it comes to the church body, maybe, maybe we should pay attention to those text messages and emails a little bit more yeah. because there's going to be some information that you're going to want to need to know. And it's really hard to pick up a phone and call every single person that you're trying to get information out to. And sometimes, and I mean, in some situations, it's impossible. So, you know, I think we need to be open to, to maybe doing some things that 
we don't like or we're not used to doing, uh, maybe force yourself to learn something new on your smartphone, you know, or whatever. Um, ask for help. Again, be vulnerable. Like, hey, guys, I don't even know how to run this app. I don't even know how to download an app. Well, hey, that's something that a lot of people can help with. Um, so, and then the flip side of that, don't just limit yourself to the quick two sentence messages when if there's something that you really need to address, like pick up the phone and call and check on someone. Be willing to take that 45 minutes out to have the conversation that needs to happen. Yeah. Um, so I just, just, you know, again, no one's perfect. We've probably, I've probably said some things up here this morning that some people are gonna be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he said that. Look, I, again, I'm not saying I think we should obey the governing authorities, period. Um, but I also think we need to obey our God who's called us into community together and to love one another. And again, that's going to require a lot of wisdom and a lot of patience from us. Yeah. Well, you, you've already mentioned a handful of them, but like there are already ways that you're talking about how we can show hospitality, how we can meet the needs of one another that are creative in this time that don't go against the governing authorities, like taking a walk outside with somebody. Right. Like that's, that's a safe way to be able to be with one another. We yeah. think this time I mean, we might be <laughs> locked down in place. I know that's happened uh, across the country, and and ultimately we also need to keep the the end goal in mind there too. It's like even if we go on two week lockdown, like some places in the country where you're just supposed to be in your home and that's basically it. The idea is not they're trying to suffocate any sort of social interaction. The idea is we're trying to keep things from spreading, we're trying to help love their neighbor. That's a that's a good command from the government to follow. Because we're thinking if we do this, it will be better in the long run. And so we're not just thinking about this exact moment. Like, yeah, okay, there's, there's not a ton going on right here at this moment, so maybe I shouldn't worry about that. But that's the whole point, right? It's like we keep it from spreading now. That matters. That's loving your neighbor in the long run. Right. So we can't just think short term. Like, that's what the government's doing. They're trying to think, how can we stop this so that we can love each other in the long run? Yeah. And not overload the healthcare system. Because, I mean, they're in, right now there are people that are, that are close to having treatments and they're thinking a vaccine will be available, you know, in 8 to 12 months. Uh, treatments possibly early fall. Um, so what we can practically, practically do now is just delay the spread of this, like, extremely contagious virus yeah. to give our healthcare people time to, to devote resources to figuring out how to slow it and treat it. Um, and so, I mean, there's just, there are ripple effects. I mean, I think we're not really able to, to, to see and understand, you know, the logic and the reasoning behind all these things we're being told to do or not do. Um, I think we just, we do have to trust that, look, I mean, God put these guys over us for a reason. I mean, the government's here for our good, right? Um, and they're here to punish the evildoers and to reward those who do, do righteous things and who live well. And like, that's, that's what we have to trust right now is our government is, is in our court and they're in our corner and they're trying to help us. And, you know, let's just be patient. Let's try to follow what they're rec recommending as best we can and then see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And it happens quickly. So we're still reacting as, as it happens and news yep. comes out fast. Yeah. So for the people that are rejoicing that social distancing is the best way they can love their neighbors. <laughs> and for the people that are saying, who cares what the government says? We'll do what we want. Like we both need to be challenged to move mm -hmm. a little bit in a different direction, mm -hmm. a, a Christ-like direction to loving our neighbor and loving God, which means obeying his commands. And one of those is to obey and submit to the governing authorities where they have authority. And they have authority in, in this right now, right? So they're not commanding us anything that the Lord says, no, they can't touch that. So I think we should, should listen. Um, any kind of final concluding thoughts or you want to read your C.S. Lewis quote that you had? Yeah. Yeah. 
about that. Or anything else for you before he reads that as well? All right. Yeah, this is a really good quote from C.S. Lewis. Um, some of you guys might have seen it on social media. Uh, it's pretty timeless. He wrote this in World War II. He also lived through the pandemic of 1918 as well. So uh, he'd been through a couple things. And so his perspective as he would seek shelter from bombings and things uh, in England at the time, he says, it is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all but a certainty. This is the first point to be made. If we are all going to be destroyed by a catastrophe, let that catastrophe, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint. Well, that's actually illegal now. Um, Or playing darts. Not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about catastrophes. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. That's so good. And they don't need to not dominate our minds. We serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We were bought with a price. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to him. So let's go with that. Um, we're, we're thankful for you guys. We love you. Um, we'll keep working on how to make this better. But we'd love you know, to hear from you and your feedback. We'll be in touch as much as we can. Um, but we'll see you again next week. I'm going to pray for us. And then there'll be another song for the end. It'll be linked to the bottom. Or you can just sing the doxology as well. We normally do that at the end as well. But let me pray, and then there'll be a link on your bottom for the song that you guys can sing together in, in your homes. Father, we're thankful that you're still with us, that you love us, that you care for us. We're thankful that you called us, commanded us to cast our cares and anxieties upon you. You care for us. You want us to throw them upon you to go boldly before your throne and to make our requests known. So God, I want to pray that you'd help us be a people who are constant in prayer with all of our fears, anxieties, worries, uh, even our pride, that we just bring all of those things to you and, and, and lay them down before you and be cared for by you, who is a loving father. May we be reminded that you are with us, that you have not abandoned us no matter what goes on in this world. May we be reminded that our life is a vapor and a mist. It's, it's here today and gone tomorrow. So we should not be so arrogant as to say, today and tomorrow I'm going to go do and such and such. But we should say, if the Lord wills, because it is up to you and your will, you are in control. And we should be able to trust you, God, because you're good and sovereign. So help us to be that kind of people. Continue to form us into the image of your son, even through strange means like over the internet and video Uh, talks about the scripture, video sermons, and songs. God, just continue to use those things for the sake of your name. God, this time uh, of social distancing, coronavirus, and all that's surrounding it, we want to pray that your name would be magnified. It does not matter if the name of Sojourn goes into the dust during this time as long as your name is heralded, and that's what we want. So God, we pray for that, that you would receive the fame that you deserve, the worship that you deserve, Uh, You are certainly worthy of it. And one day, we will have hope visible as we will see you as the worthy God that you are face to face. Uh, God, we pray that you would speed that day and that it would come soon. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.